Coming up on this episode of the Southie Michigan Podcast, Michigan takes care of Purdue. We'll talk sign gate updates, and then we will talk a little bit about other college football, some college hockey, and then we'll get into uh, the Penn State game this weekend. Michigan traveling to Happy Valley for a big one. Coming up. Howdy. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Southeast Michigan podcast. Free and available wherever you get it. Follow us on Twitter slash X. Hit us up on Facebook. All the links will be in the description box below. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, we, uh, we're back and doing it. Do another episode. Uh, last week we did two. We had a twofer. We did our weekly episode. And we did another... To follow up the uh, whole Connor Stallion story, and which we'll talk a little bit later about. But first, let's talk Michigan-Purdue. Nothing like a little bit of drama midweek last week going into the game. There was talks of maybe the game not happening because of uh, all the allegations and all this and that. Ryan Walters, the head coach of Purdue, goes on his radio show and talks a little bit of smack. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But it happens anyways. And uh, Michigan comes out on top, 41-13. So Michigan gives up the most points, really, in this one, like, compared to the rest of them all, all season. <clears throat> um, probably the the one game where they probably uh, played the, you know, the least spectacular, if you want to say it. But, you know, all blowouts, a blowout. You know, J.J., 24 for 37, 335 yards. Um, Blake Corum carried it 15 times, 44 yards, three touchdowns. Not a great yards per carry at 2.9. Samaj Morgan had that jet sweep for 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, for, for the touchdown. Tom Edwards, nine carries for 21 yards and a touchdown. Three catches for 41 yards. Roman Wilson had a big day. He went nine for 143. Well, Johnson had a pick and two pass breakups, and then the Michigan defense is holding or held Purdue to uh, just one third down on 14 tries. So, um, I didn't really write a thumbs up or thumbs down on this week's uh, post game reaction. So, we'll just kind of get into it. There's we, we got an action pack show for you, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll get down to the nitty gritty. So, Michigan's run game not really effective in this one, right? We've it's been the running theme. We've literally even say that every week. It's been a running theme. Um, Donald Edwards still on the run. Just just doesn't seem like he can break a tackle for save his life. You know, you watch the Purdue game in the Big Ten Championship game and that one run he had uh, coming out in the third quarter where uh, it was like maybe like a 25 or 30-yard touchdown run. I mean, he goes right up the gut. As soon as he gets the handoff, he deeks one guy, breaks another tackle, breaks another tackle. I mean, he breaks like three tackles. And now it's just like he goes on like a sack of potatoes 
as soon as someone breathes on his foot. Um, you know, couldn't break a tackle to save his life. Corm, he didn't really get much breathing room either. <clears throat> um, I think, you know, Ryan Walters, you know, was the Illinois defensive coordinator last year. And as a Michigan fan, you know how that game went last year. You know, you needed a Jake Moody frozen toed field goal to, to win that one, you know. And, you know, Blake Corm had a day that at least last year against the Illini. I think he had, you know, a, a buck eight uh, on the ground and, and, a, and a touchdown or two. I mean, and that was in the first half because he got hurt in the second half and missed the rest of the game. But Ryan Walters has is, is got a formula um, that just works against Michigan. I mean, at least you have now two, you know, two game films, came, uh, tapes to watch of, uh, of, of doing so. Um, you know, Michigan came out guns blazing, though. 20, you know, got pretty much 20 points right off the bat. And you thought, or at least I thought, oh, this is... It's going to look like the Michigan State game. You know, we're just going to blow the doors off and not look back. But <clears throat> 21, or excuse me, 20 nothing real quick. Then, you know, the muff punt happened. You know, uh, Purdue punts the ball. Quentin Johnson's got his back. Obviously, too, he's a gunner. He's running downfield. The ball hits him in the, in, the, in the back of the neck. Purdue falls on it, rolls out of bounce. And then you just felt the, 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 the wind get knocked out of the sails. And then... You know, a couple drives later, Colin Mullings gets stuffed on a fourth down uh, attempt in Michigan's own territory. So that's six points in total where Michigan gave up and, and held the, to a field goal each. So the defense got put in bad spots multiple times, and and they held they held firm. Um, but right at right up until those two those two plays, it's like Michigan just couldn't be stopped. And then we kind of went into this lull uh, until late in the third quarter. Um, didn't help either that you know Michigan gets the ball back with under a minute to go before half and then JJ takes that nasty sack and it just felt like the game was 0-0 then and and it was anyone's ball game you know you can't you know JJ's been really good at avoiding those type of NFL blitz plays this year you know 2021 you kind of seen it as a freshman when he got in there um and his certain, you know, play packages and whatnot, and, you know, dropped the soap a few times in, in East Lansing and had a couple, you know, egregious sacks and a few others. But, you know, for the most part, 2022, he cleaned that up. You know, seeing it in this one um, this time, you know, it's just like you got to get rid of the ball, can't take a sack, at least just for the not losing momentum's sake, you know. Um. You know, Michigan comes out in the third quarter, and like I said, you know, until late in the third quarter, they didn't, they just didn't look themselves. So they punt the ball twice before the third drive. Samaj Morgan takes that jet sweep to the house and kind of just rebooted the energy. And uh, Michigan was was kind of back on track at that point. Um, but yeah, you know, Ryan Walters had a great formula that mixes up his zone and man coverage as well. You know, Todd Blackledge, the color guy on the call. Uh, for the game, you know, mentioned it literally the whole time. Um, you know, had Michigan off balance at times, you know, despite J.J.'s numbers through the air. You know, he had a good game through the air, but, you know, he was uh, he was under duress, got sacked a few times. We talked about it last week, how Michigan got sacked. Um, got a little rough with uh, number nine back. You know, the other team got rough with him back there, and it was like, you know, we, can just, we can't let that happen. Um, let's see. 
the handshake that was something that everybody was waiting for uh again Brian Walters was I don't say bulletin board material, but you know had some few choice words about Jim and, and the program and, and what you know what he thought about the sign stealing and stuff like that. <clears throat> so handshake line time, it comes up. The cameraman is right up Jim's ass, and so you don't really have a lot of you don't really have peripheral vision there, and you just see you know Ryan Walters as a blur, and he just flashes right by the screen, and it was literally barely enough to where you get. A half a second of a handshake, and it looked like neither of them really looked at each other. You know, I think Jim, from my point of view, it looked like Jim Harbaugh tried to look him in the eye. Ryan Walters didn't want any of it. Um, you know, he's came out and said that apparently they got evidence of counter stallions and at a couple of their games. Still haven't seen it, but it is what it is. <clears throat> That's that is the again. So we'll get into the stallions thing in, in a little bit, but like. So it's just one thing that to me that we were almost promised that we were going to see or we were guaranteed, uh, you know, th- that we had the info on. But we haven't seen any video surveillance of of them being in the stadium, Connor or his cronies. But like I said, we'll get into that later. Um, I predicted this game to go you know, uh, 40 to 9. And I even laid down a $5 bet on FanDuel, which would have won me... Um, a handsome sum. I think it was probably just under six grand if it would have hit forty nine. Because you can guess the correct score, which I mean, it's not easy to do, right? But the shot in the dart worth taking once in a while. And you know, at one point it was, I think it was thirty four to six, and I'm like, man, a few field goals, I'm in it, I'm in it to win it. But it didn't happen that way. We ended up finishing forty one thirteen, so I was close. I was really close. <clears throat> but maybe next time, right? Maybe next year. Um, but again, Michigan probably played its worst game of the year and, uh, the talent prevailed. Um, Huston Carr just kind of looked nervous, uh, didn't really have time to throw. You know, Devin Maccabee, who definitely had a better game against the Michigan, you know, in the Big Ten Championship last year, you know, but, um, but like he, he, he did, he did pick up uh, a few good carries here and there, um. That's all I really got. Uh, I can't think of. <clears throat> I can't think of the kid's name for Purdue. I think he got hurt, but I mean he might have came. He might have come back in the game. Uh, uh, Sanusi Kane. I think he's a safety. That dude. That dude might be playing on Sundays. I thought he was pretty physical. Thought he was tough. Um, thought he looked okay. Uh, who else was there? I'd mentioned Kydron uh, Jenkins in the preview. He lead, he leads the team in sacks. He didn't get a sack in this game when everybody got a tackle for loss. So you know, Purdue's defense, you know, had their had their few moments. Um, so, anyways, what else we got there? That's it for that for the for the Purdue game. Let's move into games around the league. We got a lot to talk about here. <coughs> um, Ohio State goes. Into halftime, down 9-7 to Rutgers before scoring 28 points in the second half. And uh, I have here, jokingly, must have stole signs. You know, that's – I, I want to keep jumping back and forth between the sign gate thing, whatever. But that's just like one of those stupid arguments that some rival fan bases have of Michigan. It's like, well, that explains why the last two years they – you know, they come out of the second half and they blow them out of the water. I'm like, if they had their signals from top to bottom, they would have 
killed everybody from the first to fourth quarter. That argument doesn't make any sense, nor does it hold merit, because every team, you know, has games where they make halftime adjustments. It's just the way football, the game of football is played. If you ever heard of the tale of two halves, literally, um, it's just it's just hilarious to me that that's that's where we're at. You know, um, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so Ohio State, you know, you know, Maserati Mar four catches, just twenty five yards. Will be hauled in two tutties. Uh, so again, you know, Common Court is, you know, trending after each Ohio State game because you have the defenders, you have the attackers, and you have the people in the middle that are just trying to uh, <coughs> let the. Uh, let the story play out there. Um, obviously, you know, not every quarterback that you're ever going to get in your program is just going to be plug and play right away. Ohio State was always spoiled with that um, a few years ago. We're just having quarterbacks that, you know, one goes out that door, the next one comes in. It's just sometimes it takes time for for offenses to get clicking. Um, you know, Trevor Henderson here, he went for 120 on the ground and a touchdown. So two weeks in a row, Ohio State kind of relied on the run game, and this is the second week in a row as well that Travion is has been that that top dog, that lead back because in his absence, you know, um, you know, downhand and chip train like they have their moments. My mind Williams, they have their moments, but uh, it's just I think I made a comment about it last week too. Is like you know, the, been a handful of games where the Ohio State Buckeyes, I can't believe I just called them that. Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> You know, they just they have any close to 100 yards rushing as a team uh, in a game. So, um, you know, win's a win, right? Um, heading into halftime, 10-10, to 10, Georgia pulls away in the second to uh, beat Missouri. Uh, the Tigers could not string much of really anything down the stretch. And, you know, I just recorded with Jeff for, for our show. Um, <coughs> you know, we got the YouTube TV this year, and you got the multi-view, so you got the quad box. You can do a duo, you do a trio, but you normally do, for myself, I do the quad box. So just like with like the NFL Sunday and Red Zones, like you can watch all those games at once, but I mean, you know, obviously you can only focus on one thing at a time. And so with Georgia, Missouri, it was a game that I was flipping back and forth on, uh, keeping an eye on it. And, you know, uh, Missouri definitely had chances to... <clears throat> regain the momentum, regain the lead, and they just couldn't do it. Georgia pulls away, and which arguably is probably their toughest game they've played all year. Um, Washington downs USC. Um, 52-42. Dylan Washington, the Husky running back, carried it 26 times for 256 yards in a four-piece. Brutal. USC's defense is is ass. Absolutely ass. 1,100 total yards of offense between both teams. Um, And Washington pretty much took care of uh, USC's playoff hopes. Um, You know, I was also talking to Jeff about, too, is like a lot of of people have been hating on Caleb Williams. But, like, again, this is a team sport. I'm not one for, you know... Go, you know, using quarterback records as gospel. Like, again, this is a team game. You know, imagine having this dude's defense. You know, Caleb Williams, now they have three losses, seven and three. 
you know, he, like for the, for example, the Colorado game, like they were blowing them out and then Colorado made a fierce comeback, but Caleb Williams doesn't play defense. He threw for 400 yards and six touchdowns and just won by one possession. You know, the Notre Dame game didn't have a great game, so I can't defend them there, but um, California, California is <coughs> now three and six. They're ninth in the Pac-12. The, the three and six Cal Bears right now, you know, Caleb Williams had a throw for 369, two touchdowns, and they won by one. You know, lost 10 by 10 points to Washington. He threw for 312 and three touchdowns. So dude's got to put up video game numbers to have a shot. And, you know, to sustain that from week to week is just absurd. Just strictly absurd. Um, what else? Bama quarterback Gina Milrow coming into his own. Kind of had a, a Mike Vick type game where he had like a 150 on the ground and, and four touchdowns <clears throat> and then did 219 through the air no touchdowns so not really doesn't really have evidence of being efficient on the ground with his legs but he did it in this game and they down LSU 42 to 28 and uh he pretty much can write off Brian Kelly um you know his playoff chances with LSU this year <clears throat> um you know, this was also the last week of uh, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State football for the foreseeable future because Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Oklahoma State, uh, or do they go? Are they staying in the Big Twelve? I can't remember if they're staying in the Big Twelve or if they're moving somewhere else. But doesn't matter. These two, unless they find themselves in a playoff game or a bowl game, um, you know, you're gonna pretty much kiss this rivalry goodbye. And that's again. One of the reasons why, you know, I'm a traditionalist, man. Like, I'm not from the Oklahoma area, obviously. Um, you know, but this is a game where, you know, I'm sure the fans of these teams, <coughs> for the most part, would like to, to see them still play. But that's not going to happen. Um, Four-string quarterback for Michigan a few years ago, or last year. Uh, Alan Bowman takes down the Sooners. He tossed 334 yards and... Uh, 27-24 win over the Sooners. So, congrats, Alan Bowman. Uh, Notre Dame loses their third. Excuse me, loses their third game on the season as they fall to Clemson. Um, they finish with Wake Forest in two weeks, then at Stanford. So, <coughs> uh, Notre Dame is kind of who they thought they were. You know, pretty much how Brian Kelly rocked with them. Kind of how he is in LSU right now. It's three losses. Notre Dame's got three losses. Um, and they got, they got some winnable games here, but, uh, looking like a, maybe a New Year's Day bowl bit. Um, so let's get into, uh, Michigan hockey real quick, and then we'll take a break and then we'll, uh, get into sign gate update and then we'll get into the Penn State game. So, <clears throat> Michigan hockey, a lot happened. It was a busy weekend, and it was wasn't good, but there was some some bright blips on the radar. So Michigan travels to Madison and uh, Madison, uh, Wisconsin, number five in the country at the time. Michigan was number four. The Badgers sweep the Wolverines. Um, I can't remember the dude's name off the top of my head, but the Wisconsin Badgers got a new coach this year. I think he came from Minnesota State, which if you don't follow college hockey, Minnesota State, usually pretty good. <clears throat> um, 
So uh, Michigan loses five to four on Friday, and then they lose two to one on Saturday. Um, the one lost Badgers at the time still are scored with six seconds to go on Saturday in a power play and completed the sweep. So that was uh, that was uh, that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, so, yeah, it was like six point three or six point five seconds to go. To be exact, and uh, the Badgers scored. It was uh, the heartbreaker. Uh, Michigan also lost one of their key players, um, up and coming guys, Jackson Hallam. He's a uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights draft pick. He took an unpenalized knee from a Wisconsin player in the in game one on Friday, and um, I don't know if it's a torn ACL or what it is, but it, it's going to end his sophomore year. So that was per Sam Stockton on Twitter uh, from Coach Nar, uh, Coach Brandon Arado. <clears throat> so, kind of sucks to see that. So, someone else is going to have to step up. But Jackson Hale uh, was uh, in line to uh, really, you know, ascend uh, this season. So, Wisconsin is now 9-1 on the year. They are leading the Big Ten with 12 points. Michigan State is uh, sitting at 7-3 in second place. And Michigan is uh, now 5-4, and four, and they're in third place with six points. Um. You know, Michigan comes home this weekend to host Minnesota. Uh, you, you know, Minnesota, who's coming off a 5-1 to one win and a 3-3 three to three tie versus number 14, Minnesota Duluth. <clears throat> so, you know, Michigan's got, I mean, they've had some pretty good teams uh, on the other side of them um, in this early part of the year. So, Minnesota, nothing to season at, uh, excuse me, nothing to sneeze at. You know, they're not Minnesota of last year, but... They got a lot of they got a lot of uh, bad boys on that team, um, but speaking of hockey, <clears throat> recruiting is on fire. Coach Nar is reeling in the talent now. In his second year, his first without the interim tag, um, we're hopefully to get that nat- natty banner up here in the next two to three years um, with all these five stars coming in. Michigan is due. Uh, and the latest get was a big one. Uh, I'm going to probably butcher this young kid's name, but Matt Vay. Gradine, a Russian forward playing for the USHL junior team, the Muskegon Jacks. He would be the second ever Russian skater for the Maize and Blue, and he's project. Excuse me, he's projected to be um, about thirty third in the overall NHL draft rankings. So, um, I want to say the next class, next two classes, Michigan hockey is really getting set up for some superb talent. I mean, Michigan hockey is always getting good talent. They got, they're like the Kentucky of college hockey. They got a lot of one and dones that come in. Sometimes they, you know, they stay for their sophomore years, but, um, you know, you know, a lot of, um, rookie and sophomore players in the NHL right now that came from Ann Arbor, um, are tearing up, you know, Matty Beneers for the Kraken, Owen power for the the sabers you know adam fantilli you know just last year won the hobie and you know he's killing it for the the blue jackets you know uh, i want to say johnny beecher just got his first career goal so they uh they're killing it man they're absolutely killing it so we will end last weekend right now when we come back it is sign gate update time don't go anywhere All right, Sangate. How about it? Everyone's talking about it, right? 
<clears throat> so we've already talked Conrad Stallions and all this whole nonsense a few times already. We did one whole episode dedicated to it last week. Um, so we're going to kind of spend some time uh, talking about a few of these articles and, and, and kind of where we're at. Uh, um, so it's November 7th right now, uh, as of this recording, way past my bedtime. So on November 3rd, so last week, a few days ago, excuse me, um, Connor Stallions resigned. At first it was reported that he was fired. He actually resigned. Uh, Bruce Feldman, um, put out the article from the athletic and he, Dropped the quote from Connor. <clears throat> so uh, we'll start by reading that. So not breaking anything here by, uh, you know, telling you that he resigned. But uh, let's let's hear let's hear from them from our boy uh, Connor Stallions. Quote: I love the University of Michigan and its football program. Connor Stallions said in a statement provided to the Athletic, and I am extremely grateful for the opportunity I've had to work with the incredible student athletes, Coach Harbaugh, and the other coaches that have been part of the Michigan football family during my tenure. I do not want to be a distraction from what I hope to be a championship run for the team, and I will continue to cheer them on. So I want to read that because home dog here is, you know, resigning because he doesn't want to be a distraction. Bro, we're way past that. We're way past that. The damage has really been done already. And whether Michigan comes out unscathed or not, I feel like, you know, you did your 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 fandom a disservice. You know, he has got a video out somewhere where he records. I find it weird as hell that people do this. I know Pat McAfee does it or the Barcelona guys. They have this fascination of recording themselves from a couch and, you know, you're not watching the game, you're watching the reactions. To me, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> and he's, you know, cheering up, you know, on his couch, fist pumping, high-fiving himself, and it's like, okay, cool. You know, this guy <clears throat> is a super fan who knows he did his way into this program and essentially screwed him. It bleeped him. And, again, whether... Whatever the punishments are, whatever the severity of everything is, it's like, dude, you, you, to be a distraction is that that, that ship sailed, fam. Um, <clears throat> you know, I we said it last week in the update, and I'll say it again. You know, Sam Webb was talking to Devin Gardner, and that's a segment they do on on their show all the time. Um, Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback, and they do a, a few other things, but. You know, they, they, they talked about Connor and, you know, Devin Garner. You guys remember Devin Garner. He played quarterback at Michigan and a wide receiver for a, for a brief cup of coffee. Um, you know, he, from his playing days, Connor would be at the the hotel waiting for them to arrive as a, as a fan, you know, traveling to the away games on his own dime. So, you know, like I said, the, the last update as well, you know, we – the the – the story broke too with him, you know, making fifty five thousand a year. But, you know, how did he spend fifteen grand worth in tickets? It's like, well, he, apparently, the guy already had a marine pension or, you know, had a sizable savings, and so it's like he he did do this on his own, uh, did on his own dime, <coughs> and uh, 
decided to travel the whole Big Ten schedule, apparently. So then he volunteers to probably do the sign decoding, and then he gets hired on as a full-time staff member last year. And uh, this dude is apparently one of the, the, the dumbest, smartest people on planet Earth. You have this forte in deciphering signal stealing and all this stuff and decoding, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, you have something valuable that you can bring. Then you write up a 600-page manifesto. You use your own credit card to buy purchase tickets. You do all these things to leave a huge uh, trail of crumbs leading right to you. How can you be so careless, you know? I mean, did you think that you were just going to get away with it? Did you think that, oh, no one's going to check? It just, to me, is just so uh, so mind-boggling. <coughs> um, real quick, I don't know if you guys ever seen the show Eastbound and Down with uh, Danny McBride, but, you know, he... They say that the the show's based off the the old picture of John Rocker, the guy that always was real, the real fiery guy on the mound that always willing to scrap throw hands. They're like, in the second season, Danny McBride is down in Mexico, and he's like under this pseudonym or this alias. He keeps calling. He wants everyone to call him Steve because he thinks he's you know getting away from all the the press and and people who don't know him. And so he calls him Steve, which is a guy from back at his hometown called Stevie Janowski. And he basically like steals his credit cards and basically just depletes the dude's credit and his money. And uh, he just does it willy-nilly. And then Stevie basically finds out where he's staying at and follows him down to Mexico. And he isn't all mad because Stevie's a nitwit. But he's like, you let me write, you let the trail of breadcrumbs right to you, bro. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just very careless. But I figure I'd read that real quick before we get into this next article. Um... We're going to read two more articles, and then we'll kind of expand upon it. What kind of how we've been doing. <clears throat> so, the Associated Press article was kind of like the Pandora's box and getting on Michigan's perspective of things. This dropped yesterday um, around dinner time, about 5.30 Eastern. So, the, the headline here at the Associated Press was, Ex-College football staffer shared docs with Michigan showing a Big Ten team had Wolverine signs. So not only did a doc uh, confirmed document come out where it had um, Michigan's play calls and signs on it that other Big Ten teams were sharing amongst each other, which we'll get into. Um, but we have the... Okay, so we have this. Let me just get into it. So this was by Larry Lag or Laggy. I've heard people say Ladge, Laggy, Lag. I don't know. So... By big old Larry here. So, um, a former employee at Big Ten football program, excuse me, a former employee at a Big Ten football program. So, I mean, could it be Connor in Michigan? I don't know, but sounds like it's a former employee elsewhere outside of Ann Arbor. Said Monday it was his job to steal signs, and he was given details from multiple league schools to compile a spreadsheet of play calling signals used by Michigan last year. So, again, that's the spreadsheet that I'm talking about that got confirmed, got leaked or released, however you want to say it. And uh, this was getting passed around like a hot potato. <coughs> Excuse me. The employee said he recently shared the documents which showed the Wolverine signs and corresponding plays, as well as screenshots of text message exchanges with staffers at other Big Ten schools. With Michigan, 
He spoke with the Associated Press on a condition of anonymity because he feared the disclosures could impact his coaching career. The spreadsheet was compiled with details from a handful of coaches and programs across the Big Ten, the person said. He also said he gave the details to Michigan last week because he hoped it would help Jim Harbaugh's embattled program and that he believes Harbaugh and his coaches are being unfairly blamed for the actions of a rogue staffer. So again, here we go with the rogue staffer thing. The alleged actions by potentially violate the Big Ten sportsmanship policy, which could lead to punishment of the school's by the commissioner's office. Harbaugh's program also faces that possibility. The school confirmed Monday it has received notification of potential disciplinary action. So, again, <clears throat> before that Purdue game, it was, you know, about Tuesday and Wednesday. It's like this game could potentially not happen um, or that Jim Harbaugh would not be coaching it. Uh, number two, Michigan is already the subject of an NCAA investigation into alleged impermissible in-person scout, scouting and sign-stealing scheme. A former low-level staffer, Connor Stallions, allegedly attended and also sent people to opponents' games to record video that was used to decode in their in-game signals. The scandal was loomed over Harbaugh's team as it chases a third-straight conference championship and the school's first national title since 1997. Michigan plays at number nine Penn State on Saturday. The NCAA doesn't allow, excuse me, doesn't outlaw sign stealing. But it rules against in-person scouting and some of the allegations against Michigan suggest an organized and well-funded approach. Harbaugh has denied any knowledge of the scheme, and the school says it's cooperating with the NCAA. So again, still every story that comes out, Jim Harbaugh, no affiliation, or excuse me, no knowledge of the situation. And again, you got to look at it, whether you're an Ohio State Buckeye, Michigan State Spartan, Georgia Bulldog, Michigan Wolverine. Do you think that Jim Harbaugh needs to get punished for a staffer that went rogue? Obviously, Connor Stanley is on staff to decode signs. But did anyone know his methodology? And if they didn't know his methodology, should he should he get penalized for it? <clears throat> Last week. Stallions resigned two weeks after he was suspended by Michigan. Stallions attorney said it. His client did not want to be a distraction for the team. Again, it's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Michigan shared the documents from the former Big Ten football program staffer and rated related content with Big Ten on Friday, according to a person familiar with the situation, speaking on condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to share the details. On the same day, school president Santa Ono and athletic director Ward Manuel met with Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. The conference gave the school until earlier this week to respond to allegations and evidence that was presented. Another person with knowledge of the situation said. The person spoke to AP on a condition of anonymity because the Big Ten was not making its dealings with Michigan public. Petiti met by video call with Big Ten coaches and athletic directors last week, and they talked about Possible punishments for Michigan focusing on potential suspension of Harbaugh and other co coaches. Ono sent an email to Petiti imploring the conference to wait for results of the NCAA investigation before potentially taking action against the program. Big Ten coaches have called for some kind of immediate punishment, but the league, according to Ono, has not begun its own investigation. <coughs> we are aware... Other representatives of the Big Ten are demanding that you take action now before any meaningful investigation and full consideration of all evidence, Ono wrote. And we both know it is not 
what any other member would want if allegations were raised against their program or, or against their people or programs. With the investigation hang, hanging over Harbaugh and his team, Manuel said he will not participate in the college football playoff committee meeting this week. I will not be traveling to our weekly meeting in Dallas, but instead will stay in Ann Arbor, attending to important matters regarding the ongoing investigation into our football program, Manuel said. Through his attorney, Stallion said, to his knowledge, none of the Michigan coaches told anyone to break rules or were aware of improper conduct when it came to advanced scouting. Harbaugh served a three-game university impost suspension earlier this season for unrelated and still unresolved NCAA violations caused, or excuse me, case tied to recruiting. So, take it for what you will. Through his attorney, Stallion said he... To, to his knowledge, none of the Michigan coaches told anyone, or, you know, excuse me, none, excuse me, his knowledge, none of the Michigan coaches told anyone to break rules or are unaware of the conduct that he uh, took action with. So, I guess you read, you read what you want, you listen to what you want, that's what he's saying. Earlier Monday, Central Michigan Athletic Director Amy Fallon said the school was still reviewing whether Stallions was on the sideline during the Chippewa season opener at Michigan State. Central Michigan is now cooperating with the NCAA, she said. Images of a person in Central Michigan gear wearing a hat and sunglasses during the night game circulated on social media last week and prompted the school to look into it. <clears throat> and that is in the end of the article. And again, we touched on it last week. I, I joked that I would find it absolutely hilarious that if Connor Stallions wore sunglasses and a wig for a disguise, I think it is absolutely hilarious absolutely hilarious and what is also hilarious is that Jim McElwain the head coach of Central Michigan couldn't give you a yes or no on who that person was on the sidelines that to me is absolutely hilarious still um and then obviously again he was wearing sunglasses and in the corner of the sunglasses you know they look like uh Ray-Bans and in the corner there it looks like a light is flickering uh flickering on and off um because that's either saying the glasses are being activated or the recording, blah blah blah, and you know some Michigan fans at the right off the get, and you're like, oh, that's the, the glare from the scoreboard when he peeks around the corner. I'm like, no, it's definitely not. Um, you know, it it does kind of look like him, and it kind of doesn't. Again, he's you know got a public had a public photo uh, from the coaching staff records of him being bald. Um, there's other pictures of him that you know they doesn't have any hair, and then in that one it looks like he's. It's hard to tell because of uh, the nighttime color of the in the picture, but it'd be. I mean, to go to the lengths of getting a, a field pass and then wearing disguise is uh, has got some balls. Now let's get into. Um, let's see here. So we read the AP one. Let's get into one more. <clears throat> um, this one's quick. This one's from Wolverine's Wire. Piggybacking off of uh, what Yahoo said, NCAA finds no connection between Jim and illegal science stealing. Um, so as the Big Ten pursues disciplinary action on Michigan football head coach Jim Harbaugh, due to the alleged illegal science stealing, the outset or at the outset of the NCAA investigation shows that the governing body of college athletics has thus far actually found that the head coach was indeed divorced from former staffer Connor Stallion's actions. In a report on Monday from Yahoo Sports, Ross Dellinger and Dan Wetzel 
The NCAA provided its findings in the early goings of its investigation to find no connection between the Wolverines head coach and Senate's operation. So, again, beating a dead horse there, but got a rogue operator here. Rogue operator, and uh, yeah. I mean, that's about where we're at. Um, there's not much else that really we can touch on that I haven't already said already. Um, <clears throat> hold on, what was this? Oh, uh, well, this was just uh, a little bit ago. What got leaked... What got leaked was that Blake Corum apparently was uh, in business with Connor Stallions. I don't know the full scope of it. Um, it. It got dropped right before I recorded with Jeff on our other show. Um, but, uh, you know, Blake Corum, you know, I wouldn't say deflected, but denied, you know, having the, you know, involvement, you know, in cahoots with that. Um but yeah, apparently uh, on like legal documents or something like that, or a legal screenshot that um, he he was business partners with Connor Stanley. So there's just uh, more more gas to throw on the fire there. But I mean, that's really about it. I I just find it funny that I'm gonna say not funny, but irritating that everyone from ESPN, ironically, is is really harping on U of M for all this. You know, Reese Davis is calling them cheaters and best and it's like dude get bent just just get bent like he, he says one line oh I, i'm not you know i'm not after him blah 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 and then he goes and says something like that it's just like uh just go worry about your colorado buffs you know um you know paul feinbaum backtracked was defending jim and then now he's against him um you know pat mcafee said something Stephen a smith said something that's like you know, Max Pollock, I think, had Michigan at number five in his playoff rankings because of the whole situation. It's like, you guys you guys are just a bunch of douchebags. A bunch of douchebags. Just let's just let this play out. You know, um, this could drag on for another year. So at this point, let's just let the let the games slide. And if, if it gets serious to the point where you're like, yeah, we got to vacate, then you vacate. But I just don't see that with these being level two violations, if they're true, I just don't see it being that serious enough to where you have to vacate um, wins or, or accomplishments, trophies, whatever. Because here's the deal, is what they're doing in person scouting is that is their evidence to show that it's really directly affecting that game and that glaring, is, is it a, a glaring... Um, tell that what they were doing, what Connor Stallions was doing, it w- was it affecting the games that much? Again, if they had everybody's signs before they knew it, they would be blowing everybody out or winning convincingly at some, you know, just because a, a half a football looks different doesn't mean that that's what that's from. Again, teams all the time make second half adjustments. <clears throat> Again, Ohio State 
nine to seven against Rutgers, and then they come out and score twenty eight points in the second half. Like, okay. As the video starts starting here, <clears throat> so that's enough of that. Um, again, we'll start another episode if if something drastic drops, but. You know, it sounds like if the Big Ten comes down with anything of a disciplinary action that the Michigan is the University of Michigan's gonna sue, it's gonna get nasty. And then you gotta ask yourself too, is now that you know, it's been said that Rutgers, Ohio State, and Purdue were trading these signs on this Michigan spreadsheet. Um and you know, before they play is that do you as a per, as a fan, whether you're a fan of those teams I mentioned or not, do you find that somewhat comparable to in-person scouting? Someone's already done the decoding for you, and you're now getting everything that Michigan has on their playbook in the palm of your hand before you play them. If that's not comparable, I don't know what is. I think that is... I think there's something to that. If you disagree you disagree um now let's get into <clears throat> the Penn State game coming up I'm gonna be in Happy Valley um we're gonna take a quick break I gotta take a piss when I come back it's the Nittany Lions Final segment of this episode. Michigan traveling to Happy Valley. Hey, <clears throat> Happy Valley. Hey, Happy Valley. Penn State, 8-1, 5-1 in the conference. We are kicking off at noon Eastern on Fox. Michigan, a four-and-a-half favorite, excuse me, over-under set at 45-and-a-half. Michigan leads the all-time series 16-10 and has won six of the last 10 meetings. Um, Penn State, tail of the tape. Let's do this. Scoring offense for Penn State. They're number two in the conference. All these are every week we do this little segment part. There's a little bit here. This is all ranked out of the Big Ten. So either either one or 14 or somewhere in between. <clears throat> scoring, scoring offense number two at 40 points. Or 40.2 points per game. Michigan is number one at 40.7, so really close. Scoring defense, Penn State's number three at 11.9 points per game. Michigan's number one at 6.7 points per game. <coughs> Rushing offense, Penn State's number three at 173.2 yards per game. Michigan number four at 167.1. Rushing defense, Penn State's number one at just allowing 60.6 yards per game. Michigan's third at 90.1. Passing offense, Penn State's number five at 220.8. Michigan is number three at 257.1. Passing defense, Penn State's also number five. 173.9 yards per game. Michigan's number one at 141.3. <clears throat> All right, so Drew Aller. He has thrown 1,895 yards on the year, 20 tutties, one 
solo interception. The lone interception came in a win over Indiana. Penn State rocking a pretty balanced two-back system. Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton um, both getting pretty even amount of work. Allen, 119 carries. Singleton, 121 carries. Uh, Allen's got 573 yards, four touchdowns. He's averaging 4.8 per touch. Singleton has got 480 yards, seven touchdowns. He's averaging 4. Point, or excuse me, 4.0, yeah, four, uh, four flat yards per touch. <coughs> uh, wide receiver, Keandre Lambert-Smith, 51 catches, 645 yards, and four touchdowns. Linebacker, Adisa Isaac, 21 tackles, six and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and one recovery. And then so far, cornerback, uh, star cornerback, Kalen King, yet to log in reception. Um, through week 10, PFF, highest rated corners, is without King in this list. So top five, um, or in the top five is Michigan's Will Johnson. He's second with an 88.7 grade. And he's right behind Boston College corner Elijah Jones with a 91.7 grade. Um, the best team Penn State faced all season, uh, obviously Ohio State. Uh, Nittany Lions defense held the Buckeyes to 79 yards on the ground. Again, this is a game that uh, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes, I guess the second time I called the Ohio State Buckeyes. Unbelievable. Ohio State had uh, or was without Travion Henderson. Um Cobb McCord, he threw um, 8.2 yards per pass for a total of 286 yards. Um, Indiana's Brennan Sorsby, he was able to throw three touchdowns on Penn, uh, Penn State. Um, so take that for what you will. I think this game is going to come down to the line of scrimmage on both sides. Both teams try to establish the run and lean on its success. And uh, Penn State, you know, it's trying to be like Michigan. These teams are very identical. <clears throat> um, if Michigan's run game cannot replicate last year's matchup or sustain a hearty dose of reliability, um, this is going to be an interesting one, uh, to say the least. Uh, J.J. will have to do this with his arm. Uh, if that's the case, Penn State last year was statistically stout top to bottom before the Michigan game, and then Michigan blew the top off. Obviously, over 400-something yards of rushing between Especially between, you know, uh, Dono and Blake. They both had two touchdowns over 140 yards rushing. It was uh, it was a second-half nightmare for uh, James Franklin. Uh, both teams have only allowed 11 sacks on their starting quarterbacks. Um, you know, this is, this is also an interesting thing here is, uh, you know, Penn State rolls out their backup quarterback, who I believe is number nine. So it's you, you kind of... Uh, and they bring him in there to basically what J.J. did when Cade McNamara was here was you get near the goal line, you put in the quarterback that's mobile. Um, I want me to get this kid's name real quick. Hold on. Let's put it right there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, oh, uh, Bo Pribula. So on the year, he's only thrown the ball 17 times. <coughs> he's got two touchdown passes. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus. Um, he's carried the ball 44 times for 240 and four touchdowns. So again, they, they just they, they use him as a change of pace, mix and match. Again, where's number nine? Kind of, kind of deja vu, if you will. Um, my prediction here. 
Uh, Michigan's going to win this game, but but wins it, scoring the lowest total output on the season. On the road, even at noon, it's difficult in Beaver Stadium. <clears throat> I'm thinking 27-17. I think Penn State will have some, some success on the ground from time to time, but I think getting Drew Eiler to the ground will be key. Penn State likes to use that short to medium-range passing attack and you know, Jim, uh, Jim, uh, James Franklin's kind of had a leash on Drew Aller all year long, and you know um, Aller's looking to prove himself, looking to uh, let it rip downfield. But you know, Penn State just uh, is not really a deep ball team. You know, they or, and if they do connect on the deep ball, it's not very often. Like, uh, you know, statistically, I'm looking at it right now. Um, you go down to their their receiving category and <clears throat> Keandre Lambert Smith again their their leading receiver he's got 51 catches on the year I already said it 645 yards through the uh you know yardage wise uh, he's averaging 12.6 um per catch as long as one's a 72 yarder cool right I don't know if that's a catch and run I don't know if that's air part of the air yards or not and then we go over to Michigan all right so I'll give you that one so yeah 12.6 their second wide receiver um, in terms of averages, 11.8. He's only got six receptions. Dante Cephas, the next uh, wide receiver here, he's got 17 receptions. He's averaging 11.7. So let's go over. We'll go hit back here. Back again. We're going to tally over here to Michigan, and I'll tell you Michigan's. And I'll tell you Michigan's is a lot, a lot bigger than that. Um, <clears throat> so I say 12.8 or 12.7, 11.8. Let's go to Michigan's. Michigan's top averages per catch. Cornelius Johnson, 24 receptions. He's averaging 17.6 as long as this is a 50, 50 yarder. Roman Wilson, 36 receptions. He's averaging 16.4. Loveland's averaging 15.5. Samash Morgan is averaging 12.9. Ty Morris is averaging 12.6. So Michigan's third and fourth wide receiver is averaging catch what Penn State's number one is so <clears throat> I'm not saying that's the end-all be-all I'm not act, I'm not trying to act like I have like the hidden formula or the hidden secret here or whatever but again you know Michigan is the more um, aggressive team to go down deep and when they do obviously it's a little bit more in, in that terms of margin um, so yeah that's where I'm at um, Again, Penn State, from time to time, will have success on the ground, I think. Get Drew Aller down. Kendra Lambert-Smith can get you for that big play. But like I said, let's see, averaging just past 12.0 yards per catch. Whoever guards him is going to need to keep him quiet. So whether that's Sanders Steele or Will Johnson. <clears throat> and like I said, they, they do utilize their tight ends. But um, I just I think I think our defense bodes well against them, you know. I think I think it bodes well against them. Now, um, you know they got like I said the, the 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 duo running back system there, Allen and Singleton. They got a lot of a lot of mouths to keep from eating, but it's doable. I just think it's going to be a good game. Just, I'm going to try to draw myself win or lose. Um, but I think Michigan can do it. I feel I actually feel more confident going into this game than I did against the Michigan State game. I just that partially because of the intensity of the rivalry, but. <clears throat> um, 
you know, Michigan State usually, no matter even if they're in the basement or not, can surprise people. I'm just more confident, especially, you know, we talked about it after the Penn State-Ohio State game. I felt more confident for Michigan's sake in both these matchups. Um, games, I'm keeping tabs on this weekend. Again, I'm Friday morning, I'm heading to, uh, to State College. So, <clears throat> if, if I was at home, I could watch games. These are the ones I'm watching, but I, I'm pull my phone out when I can, see what they're doing. Um, I'm sure I'll be getting updates inside the game anyways. But, uh, Bama at Kentucky, you know, Georgia's 6-0 in the SEC, or excuse me, Bama's 6-0 in the SEC, but if Bama gets by Kentucky with a win, they play that usual SEC November bye week next Saturday versus Chattanooga. So while everyone else is, everyone outside the SEC is playing someone a lot better than Chattanooga, that's where Bama's at. Uh, they're most likely going to beat Auburn also, so uh, it's safe to say, I say safe to say, can't ever count anyone out, but it's looking like... Uh, Nick Saban is going to be playing for another SEC title. Um, this one only because I find it interesting in a sense. Miami six and three, they're traveling, or, and two and three in the ACC, they're traveling to uh, Florida State. Uh, Miami can somewhat salvage a bit of a disappointing season if they can upset the Knolls here. They have something to hang their hat on. <clears throat> Ever since Crystal Ball. Went full dumbass and uh, let Georgia Tech right back in the game. Was it Georgia Tech? Let let the Yellow Jackets come right back and steal it instead of uh, kneeing the the clock to zero. And wants to run the ball and a couple plays later after the fumble touchdown. Uh, Utah is heading to Washington. Can the youth defense shut down Penix Jr. and pull off the upset? So Penix Jr. kind of had a. Off game a few weeks ago, came back last week on fire. Um, trying to send back one of the Heisman consideration there in Utah. You know, Kyle Whittingham, the head coach there, has been getting a lot of notice lately, finally. Um, you know, people are putting him in the top five coaches of the college football. And, you know, this isn't his best Utah team. And it, it took all these years to finally be like, oh, okay, this dude's got something. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but my general take, my general feeling is that people have. Yeah, they've considered him to be a good coach, but now he's finally getting to the the that, that next tier. Um, I mean, he's been at Utah for a long time. <clears throat> Ole Miss heading to Athens. Ole Miss lost to Bama, so it's a must-win game every step of the way from here on out. And uh, hope that Bama loses so you can get back yourself, uh, get yourself back into uh, possibly the the top four there. Um, if I was at home, because it's at ten thirty on Saturday night. I was at home, I'd watch the, the USC at Oregon game. Uh, USC is pretty much kaput for anything postseason worth meeting, but um, you want to go out and still perform. And, you know, it was it Emmanuel Acho put out a, a tweet last week about, you know, entertaining the idea. Is it necessary for Caleb Williams to even play? the rest of the season as a Trojan, given that he's almost a surefire number one overall pick? And, uh, you know, that's a good question to ask because that's where we're at in college football nowadays. If you're not in the contention for the playoff, why bother? That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up. 
long episode. Got a lot. Got into a lot. Um, and I know I've been entertaining our the, the sports documentary review. The first one ever it was supposed to happen during the bye week. Just got super busy. <clears throat> it's going to happen here sooner rather than later, folks. I promise you that. Um, again, thank you for listening. Show is growing. Please share with uh, other Michigan fans or, you know, after the documentary review drops, you know, maybe you find uh, find that fun to listen to, share that with other people. So, again, everything to find us everywhere is going to be in the description box. But Southeast Michigan Podcast on Facebook, um, on Twitter slash X, at SE underscore MI underscore pod, all uppercase. So it looks like semi-pod discourse there tweet at me tell me i'm an idiot tell me that you agree with me i don't care but just want to uh get the voice out there and and uh, talk some college football and obviously michigan football uh the loudest um but michigan hockey looking to bounce back this weekend something to keep an eye on michigan hoops is actually alive right now let's check in on that score uh i just clicked on hold on NCAA men's. Let's see here. <clears throat> Last night, Michigan State loses to James Madison. Oh, boy. Um, there's only two top 25 teams playing right now. Creighton's smoking floor A&M. Number 20, Baylor's down by nine on Auburn. And let's get into the Big Ten. See how Michigan's doing right now. 82-62 to 62 with 641 to go. Michigan's winning. Indiana beat Florida Gulf Coast. Maryland beat Mount St. Mary's in Iowa. 110 points over North Dakota. Well, at least the uh, the Hawkeyes got offense on uh, in basketball. But anyways, um, yes, thank you again for listening. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I will talk to you guys after this weekend. Uh, if you are on um, the Twitter or the Facebook, I will be posting probably mostly pictures on Facebook and stuff like that. But definitely has some uh, some cool stuff to share after my uh, experience in uh, Happy Valley and all that stuff like that. It'll be my third Big Ten stadium following East Lansing in 2007, Bloomington in 2017, and now uh, Beaver Stadium here in 2023. So... You guys have a good one. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, all that good stuff. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.